Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit brumradio.com. You're listening to Tall Tales, storytelling, drama and spoken word on Brum Radio. In our penultimate episode of the series, we head deep into the British suburbs for a story of fierce adolescent rivalry. This is Wrestlers by Luke Humphrey. Dad looked in the loft and found the suitcases covered in guano. Mum was instantly worried. They'll be back, she said. The bats, they'll be back. But Dad wasn't going to let a pile of bat crap ruin his holiday. My parents were renting out one of those expensive luxury caravans, and they'd been looking forward to the break for some time. The bats would have to wait. Dad would deal with them after the holiday. In the meantime, I'd have to keep the loft hatch shut. Don't get going up there! Dad said with his head out the car window, reversing off up the drive. Don't even peep, unless you want to catch rabies. I found it crazy to think that the bats had been up there in the loft for all that time, flying and shitting without any of us even knowing. They were stealthy creatures, and I considered what I would do if granted the power of invisibility. It would have probably involved hanging around women's changing rooms, or stealing the latest games from computer exchange, general covert activities like that until the day of my epiphany, where I would only use my powers for good. I spent the rest of my morning on the internet researching bats. I learnt about echolocation, and about their super-fast metabolisms, and, most interestingly, the way scientists were trying to replicate a certain enzyme found in vampire bat saliva, an anticoagulant that kept the blood flowing, perfect for stopping strokes in humans. I couldn't help myself afterwards. I just had to take at least one peek in the loft. I wanted to witness what these fabulous and often misunderstood beasts were all about. I fetched the ladder out from the garage and carried it upstairs to the top of the landing, placing it under the loft hatch. I climbed the ladder, opened the hatch, and popped my head up inside the loft, like I'd seen Dad do, shining a torchlight past the roof beams and then down into the dark eaves. All I could see was the pile of guano, a big heap of strange-smelling pellets piled up like brown, irregular-shaped tic-tacs. I was disappointed the bats weren't up there themselves. Then I figured the bats might be flying around in the evening twilight, hunting insects, and so I rushed into my parents' bedroom, grabbed my dad's binoculars, and made for our back garden. It was a nice evening out, the patio slabs warm under my bare feet, the whole sky a vast, unbroken blood orange, and because I could hear all of life around me, humming away, I felt the bats would put on a real show for me, proving their aerial brilliance. Starting out, I looked up at the conifers, focusing the binoculars. I knew the gnats swarmed up there, and I supposed them easy pickings for the bats, but all I saw was a lone owl perched on the conifer top. I then searched our rain guttering, hoping to find the entrance the bats used when darting in and out of our loft. Yet again there was not a single bat to be seen. With a heavy heart, I refocused the binoculars and began looking to other people's houses, aiming for an easy kick. 
Having been let down by the bats, I thought I might marvel upon my neighbours instead. Initially, I focused in on the house opposite ours, knowing which window belonged to Marie Davis. Marie was in the year above me at school, and it had been said that she'd gone halfway with Darren Shields in the PE equipment cupboard. I staked out Marie's bedroom for near enough half an hour, slowly growing ever sicker of all the plebby boy bands infesting her walls. Of course, Marie never materialised. She was probably off over the playing field, sealing the deal with Shields. I turned and looked up to the next-door neighbour's son's bedroom. His window was open and his light on, and upon hearing a faint explosion followed by machine gun fire, I guessed he was still up, gaming. I focused in with the binoculars, and that's when I saw them, his masks, all four of them, hanging lifelessly from his bedroom wall. The masks were instantly more interesting than Marie Davis's sleeping arrangements. Collecting and hanging masks from your bedroom wall seemed an important decision for a person to make, and it was this element of choice that really piqued my interest. I also wondered whether the neighbour's son was too old to be collecting masks. He was in Marie's year. But then I still liked my Transformers, and I knew there were full-grown men who had whole rooms of toys, cars and trains and spacemen and knights, full-grown men who had wives and children and jobs. It made me feel good knowing there were people not afraid to like what they liked, people proud of their interests, not caring what other folk thought of them. I wondered what the masks looked like close up. From down in the garden, I could hardly make them out in terms of individual characteristics. The masks crumpled in on themselves, their facial features distorted, making it difficult to identify who they were supposed to resemble. "'What are they, then?' I shouted up to the window. I didn't think twice about shouting up to the neighbour's son. He was as much a loner as I was, and the masks made me wonder if we might be kindred spirits. I saw his head pop up in the window. He was even fatter than me. His head looked like a block of spam. "'What a what?' he said. "'The masks,' I said. "'What are they supposed to be?' Do you really want to know? he said. I could tell he was pleased I'd taken interest. I wouldn't bother asking if I didn't, I said, and then the tiniest of smirks appeared on that great meat slab face of his. I tell you what, I said, bring him round here if you want. My parents are away. My dad left wine. He buys that many bottles that he loses track. He wouldn't know if we drink some. Give me ten minutes, said the neighbour's son shutting his window. I gave him ten minutes, and then there was a knock at the door. Opening up, I was greeted by a young mountain wearing a mask. I still couldn't make out who the mask was supposed to be, though. It was this bald, sneery-faced man with a goatee like Craig David's. Who are you supposed to be? I said. You not watch wrestling? No. Doesn't matter, then, said the son. Maybe you'll recognise one of the other three. He came into the living room and took off his rucksack and rested it on the settee. He was wearing jogging bottoms and a muscle vest, and he had on these white plasticky-looking running trainers, the type that old radio DJs are often photographed wearing in the news. Usually, before coming into the living room, I'd have asked him to take his trainers off, complying with the house rules, but it seemed trivial and almost offensive to ask someone wearing a mask to remove their footwear. "'Where's this wine, then?' he asked. He was enjoying being the centre of attention. It must have been a change for him. 
Maybe that's why he had the masks in the first place, as a way of making himself more interesting. Let's see them first, I said. He wasn't having any wine until I'd seen all four masks. I didn't want him thinking I was a pushover, that the wine flowed free and easy in our household. You get the wine, and I'll have them out on the sofa for us by the time you return. Can you not just show me first? I asked. I hoped he wasn't going to be difficult all night, but he knew he had the upper hand being the owner of the masks and all. Maybe we should do this another night, he said. Okay, I'm getting the wine, I said, walking off into the kitchen. Just make sure you have them out by the time I return. I'd never drunk before that night, but beginning there and then seemed as good a time as any. I opened the fridge and found there were two types of wine inside. I studied the labels carefully, wanting to choose the perfect wine for the occasion. The label on the first type of wine said Blue Thunder, and the second said Idden, which sounded quite classy to me. And as such, it was Idden I went with. I'd never considered wine to be a gassy drink, but when I opened the bottle there was a lot of fizzing watching it bubble. Then I took a swig, swilling the wine around my mouth like I'd seen them do on telly. The wine tickled the roof of my mouth, and I started coughing. It tasted good enough, though. Sour and dry with a little sweetness. A lot like apple hubba bubba. I poured two tumblers full with the wine and took them into the living room, passing one over to the neighbour's son, who'd taken his mask off by now. He took a sip from his tumbler. This isn't wine, he said. Yes, it is, I said. My dad only drinks wine. Wine's not fizzy said the neighbour's son. I went back into the kitchen and opened the fridge once again. I checked the labels more carefully this time. Sparkling cider, the one label said. But I was sure we were drinking wine. When the wine wasn't being kept in the fridge, my dad kept it in the garage, and he'd always say he was visiting the wine cellar when he went to fetch a bottle of the stuff. I took the bottle out of the fridge and brought it with me into the living room. I was ready to fight my corner. It's sparkling cider wine, I said, presenting the bottle to the neighbour's son. Fair play, he said, necking the tumbler. Lovely drop. Got a touch more. I topped him up, and then we got down to it. He'd already laid the masks out on the sofa, all four of them looking up at us like the victims of some horrible crime. Of course, there was sneery-faced David, who I'd already met, and then next to him there was this gaunt-faced lad with a bandana made from star-striped fabric. The two I liked best, though, the masks that impressed me the most, looked very similar, like they had the same father or something. Who are those two? I asked. The Broke Neck Boys, said the son. Tag Team Champions. Even I had to admit they were handsome lads. They both had perfect chins with the kind of smiles that would make any dentist proud. They were tough-looking guys, but I imagine they had a sense of humour too, what with the way they were smiling and all. Try one on, said the son. Okay, I said, necking the last of my wine. I selected the broke neck boy I liked best, and then I put him on. Wearing the mask, I went and looked at myself in the living room mirror. In the reflection, I could see the neighbour's son behind me, topping up our tumblers again. He had the second broke neck boy mask on now too. And truthfully, we looked pretty good standing there together in the living room wearing the masks. We didn't look wimpy any more. We looked older and more powerful. In our masks, 
It was as though our fat passed for muscle when I started flexing my arms. And then so did the neighbour's son. The two of us examining our new bodies in the living room mirror, stopping only now and again to drink our wine and topping up as and when required. Soon we had our tops off and we were grappling on the settee. Our bellies clapped together as we wrestled, applauding us, spurring us on. Then the neighbour's son got me in a headlock and we ended up on the floor. His armpit smelt bad and I started to feel quite sick and drowsy down there, struggling away. I suppose it was the mix of physical activity and the wine and the armpit stench that made me feel nauseous. Having the mask on didn't help either. It was hot and sweaty in there by that point and my breathing had become something of an effort. "'Submit!' said the neighbour's son, tightening his hold. "'Submit to me, you weak, candy-assed English bastard!' he screamed in a poorly articulated American accent. "'I thought we were a team. I thought we were brothers!' I coughed. "'Submit to me!' he said again, channeling the Bronx. "'Get the fuck off me!' I said. He started kissing the back of my neck then. He didn't let up on his hold and he kept kissing the back of my neck. "'What are you doing?' I said. It's how Butch Brokeneck taunts his opponents, he said. I felt that things were getting out of hand. I tried to pull off his mask, and then I tried to pull off my own mask. But the relieving of the masks proved too difficult with the taunting and the sweating and the way I was feeling sick. Eventually, I managed to get my fingers under the chin of his mask. I pulled downward, stretching the latex and bringing his head down with me to the floor. The latex must have pulled at his hair because he let out a sound like you do when you burn yourself or stub a toe. And that's when I must have had a rush of adrenaline because all of a sudden I vomited. Of course, I was wearing the mask and the way the vomit collected up inside made me retch and vomit more. Some of the vomit came out through the mouth slit of the mask and then some through the eye holes, smearing over the neighbor's son's arms and muscle vest. He let go of me. You've soiled my mask, he said, standing up towering over me. Take it off, take it off! I pulled the mask away from my head. Some of the vomit spilled down my chest. The remainder caked my face. I was having trouble breathing. I'm lucky not to have choked, I said, throwing the mask at his feet. He looked down on the mask as though it were a smashed jellyfish. You fucking ruined it, he said. You've gone and ruined my fucking mask. I looked up at him, and he stood there as though ready to throttle me, and I think he'd have done so too if it weren't for the noise upstairs. It sounded like all these little flags caught in the wind getting louder and louder and louder. I remembered then. I hadn't closed the loft hatch. The noise was all around us now, and the living room grew dark. Butch Brokeneck covered his eyes. His smile was bright and gorgeous. Wrestlers was written by Luke Humphrey and performed by Jacob Lubbock. Follow the author on Twitter at LewWarm. Tall Tales is edited and scored by Aidan Meyer. Our theme music is by Swamp Thing. You can listen to all of the stories broadcast so far on our catch-up page 
just head to mixcloud.com forward slash brumradio. Tune in next week for the final episode of our current series. I'm Philip Ellis, and you're listening to Tall Tales on Brum Radio. Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app.